0: Bobby Westside's Vinyl & Coffee Bobby Westside's Vinyl & Coffee Bobby Westside's Vinyl & Coffee Hello and welcome to Bobby Westside's Vinyl & Coffee, the podcast where I, Bobby Westside, your friendly neighborhood rock star, (laughs) pontificates about music on vinyl while drinking a damn good cup of coffee. Joining me today we have actor, professional movie watcher, hoser. Good friend of mine.
1: (laughs) Hello. It's nice to be on here.
0: Thank you. Thank you for joining me today.
1: No problem. I I was really excited when you invited me on. Um, definitely the subject of what we're talking about. I could definitely talk for a long time about.
0: Yeah, me too. I mean, uh, when I first decided to do this podcast, uh, you were, you were honestly the first person I asked besides the members of my band, your cousin, Salvador Wheely, Mm -hmm. uh, and bass player Roland Tornes. So you were technically the third person I asked, but the first one outside the band uh, that I asked to be on this podcast because I was just flipping through all my records. I was like, well, I just got... uh," So today we were talking about Bo Burnham's Inside. I had just gotten Bo Burnham's Inside, and I was like, oh, I know exactly who to ask to talk about this record with.
1: Yeah, awesome. Yeah, and I've been a big fan of Bo Burnham for, gosh, it's such a long time because he started off on YouTube, and then now just seeing... Um, where it all has come to now, and especially how his career's gone and just the music. I've been listening to it all week, and yeah, I'm excited.
0: I know. Uh, do you remember the, the first Bo Burnham video that you watched?
1: Um, I think the first Bo Burnham video that I watched was—it um, was actually his um, Comedy Central special. Okay. It was, and it wasn't like the big one, not words, words, words. It was when he did the, when they did like those short 30 minute specials he was oh, okay. on there. And what fascinated me was, I think he was still like 16, 17 and he already was on there. I'm like, yeah, I oh, think he was, was a teenager. Cool. Yeah. Like, um, the first songs I remember was cool math. That was yeah.
0: I think that was the, fr- I watched the, his, his YouTube video for mm-hmm. cool math. Like I remember, you know, back in the MySpace days, uh, back when I was in high school, my sister, she was like, Oh, have you heard this guy named bro Burnham? And I was like, I don't know who that is. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't watch videos on YouTube. Or if I did, there were mostly just green day concerts, Mm -hmm. uh, that I could, that I could find. I'd wait 20 minutes for the video to load up to watch a two and a half minute performance. But she showed me the the video for cool math. And I was like, Oh, this guy's kind of cool. And he was just, he was just in his alone in his room, uh, Making a silly song, and I think the I think originally he was just like making songs because I think his older brother asked him to like record on YouTube so he could show it to his friends in college, and that's how he got famous just by putting on YouTube. Yeah. In the early days of the internet.
1: Yeah, because at that point I think even like that whole genre of a comedian playing music was like in its peak, and then Bo Burnham's like the only one who's really survived that just because yeah. of his use of being able to understand like the internet, how it works and his unique humor. Um, It reminds me a lot of like college humor's early days.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause like there are a lot of like parody artists and Mm. musical comedians on YouTube, but there are maybe like three or four that actually like do good, do well and do it justice. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of people who are inspired by Weird Al but there are thousands of people who, were, who tried to do what he did and just are terrible at it or kind of like offensive yeah. for just being offensive.
1: Yeah. They don't understand like, oh, what makes Weird Al work? Exactly. They think exactly. just like, oh, if I'm funny, if I just throw in this reference or if I just swear a lot, people will laugh. Mm-hmm. And that's not how Weird Al works. Where with Bo, he's like, well, I'm just doing my own thing. I'm just writing something that probably make myself laugh, make my friends laugh and it's come to where he is now.
0: Yeah. I remember in an interview, I think it was on the Comedy Bang Bang podcast, Weird Al talked about how uh you know, in the early days of Napster, any any song that was a parody uh uh was just a Weird Al song because he was he was essentially like the Kleenex of or the Coca-Cola uh-huh. of song parodies. Uh, at the time, because no one else like knew anyone else's names and they're all just file sharing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it could be like the most offensive song. Like, oh, and the news reporter would be like, Weird Al is getting really edgy with his new song. And he's like, no, that's that's not me. That's not what I do. Because mm-hmm. he's never been he's never been offensive. Oh, yeah. But, you know, the thing about Bo Burnham, especially the album Inside, is he realizes, you know, that he is in appointed privilege. And that's kind of like what he's working through in this album.
1: Yeah. And I think that very much does show up in like different parts of his previous works because before it was um, with a lot of his uh, albums, with a lot of his uh, specials, they're like a bunch of silly songs. Some of them have more poignant stuff. And then I remember the first time I heard Art is Dead. And that was like, there's no like obvious punchline here. There's no joke here. This is just Mm -hmm. serious pontification of what his life is. The point of privilege he has and there's always like a song or a song or two on his stuff but inside that's the whole premise and i was like right. oh this is gonna be different this is like a whole album of art is dead along with some silly stuff thrown in there
0: i know because if you look at You know, his early days where Bro Burnham is talking about the internet, he talks about his love for the internet, how it's bringing people together. Mm -hmm. Inside is the exact opposite of that, how the internet is destroying people. And that's that's only like being, that's only like his opinion has only changed in like such a short amount of time. Like just in 15 years from when he was a teenager till, you know, uh, when this album came out when he was, after he was 30. So yeah. But before we get more into the album, let's talk about the coffee portion of Bobby Westside's Vinyl & Coffee. Uh, today we are are drinking, uh, we're drinking the same you know beans that we drank on the first episode uh, from local uh, Las Cruces spot Beck's Coffee. Again, the dark roast, the Sulawesi. I will someday figure out how to say that. Again, Beck's Coffee, not a sponsor, but I do enjoy their coffee. And if they would like to sponsor me, I will take whatever they give me and speak honestly and positively about it. Uh, What do you think of the brew?
1: It's very good. Um, I'm a coffee drinker as, um, um, not someone to name drop here, but as my friend, voice actress Erica Harlicker said on the internet when she started drinking coffee, you know, I've realized I'm a fan of creamer.
0: (laughs) 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 Yes, I am drinking my coffee back, uh, coffee black, and Hoser is drinking it with uh, cream and sugar.
1: Yeah, and it's really good. I'm really liking it. Yeah,
0: again, I do the pour-over coffee because, in my opinion, it's the only way to drink coffee. But I'm not so much of a snob that I won't drink any other kind of coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, my sister for Christmas uh, got my parents an espresso machine, and I had like three or four cups of that that morning. It's it's really good. Uh, have you ever been to Beck's Coffee before?
1: I have not. No.
0: It's a it's a really nice local spot. Uh, when me and uh, Roland Torrance, my bass player for my band, uh, went to go get the get these beans last weekend. Uh, I I hadn't I hadn't walked inside Beck's Coffee since before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of inside, I've <laughs> been inside a lot. Uh, so I hadn't I hadn't been there in a while, and I'm like, oh, this is a cool place to be. So it's I think that's a spot I might go and like edit these uh, podcast episodes and hang out. Uh, there were a couple of cute baristas behind the counter, uh, so would like to chat chat some of them up but yeah it's a really nice like local spot cool place to hang out i think I'm, I'm gonna do that in the future good atmosphere
1: yeah and that's definitely what you need with editing making sure you get everything there make sure everyone knows what you're doing
0: yeah i just want to like again it's just a dream like i'm just sitting there i'm just doing typing away at my at my computer and you know hopefully a, a beautiful woman will walk by and be like Oh, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm editing my podcast, Bobby Westside's Vinyl Coffee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hopefully. (laughs) I'm still working on the distribution as of this record. So today we are talking about Bo Burnham's Inside. Bo Burnham's Inside is a 2021 American special written, directed, filmed, edited, and performed by comedian Bo Burnham, recorded in the guest house of his Los Angeles home during the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm, Never heard of it. Uh, without a crew or an audience, it was released on Netflix on May 30th, 2021, featuring a variety of songs and sketches about Burnburn, Bo Burnham's day-to-day life indoors. It depicts his deteriorating mental health and explores themes of perf- <laughs> and explores themes of performa- perform dang and themes of performativity and his relationship to the internet and the audience. It helped him reach. Inside is the follow-up to his special, Make Happy, released in 2016 on Netflix. Now, I didn't realize that uh, it was five years between specials oh, yeah, for him.
1: Yeah, it, it's definitely been a while because um, there there was a bit of a gap between um, words, 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 and um, what, um, but didn't feel like that because you not a lot of people knew about Bo Burnham at that time, or at mm-hmm. least he wasn't. As well known as he is now. Yeah, he
0: was internet famous at the time.
1: Yeah, and then What really put him on the map, and then they were following that up with Make Happy. And then I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. When's the next thing coming out? And I know he was, like, touring a bit. Um, And to speak of the internet stuff, Bo's always been on top of, like, a lot of the latest trends. Like, he was someone who really made Vine what it was when it was still around. And just with that he moved on with to inside where like oh yeah it has been that long
0: yeah and even in one of the songs in uh, side d of the vinyl record i have he even talks about how it's been five years since he's performed live Mm -hmm. uh which we'll talk about later um now when I first uh, heard about the comedy special, because I think they released a trailer like two weeks before it came out, mm-hmm. I was so excited and so ready for it. Just because, you know, like he talks about in the opening song content, I'm like, I need something new. Just give me something new. Because, mm. you know, when uh, you know when COVID-19 hit uh, the USA, everyone just kind of held off on anything new because they didn't know like how long it was going to last and they didn't want to like... Uh, re- uh, release stuff or start filming new stuff. So they were holding off on anything new so that, you know, when things got back on track, because remember, it was only going to take two weeks to flatten the curve.
1: Oh yeah. I remember that. I remember that day. Like the, I call it the day the world shut down.
0: I, I called a, it the days that are stood ill.
1: That's a smarter way to put it. But, <laughs>
0: but <the> day- <laughs> that was the, that was the name of my, uh, my, my band's EP. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, I rem- I remember listening to that. I totally listened to that.
0: Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he says with a grin. <laughs>
1: but um no, I remember the day everything Let's was see if you come back on this starting podcast. To shut down. <laughs> I was sitting with my sister at Peter Piper Pizza. Uh-huh. And we were talking plans cuz I had written a show, um but um we knew COVID was starting to hit and um the leaders in charge at the time were saying, like, yeah, COVID's in the United States. We're trying to get a situation of it. But at the same time, we were watching all the NBA games being shut down. Yeah. saying they're going to be postponed. Everyone needs to go home. And I'm like, to quote Bo Burnham in this, what the fuck is going on?
0: Yeah. Yeah, because I remember... Uh... Like it happened like the shutdown happened a week after my birthday mm-hmm. and we had uh, a birthday party at a local like bar and it was just this ominous feeling like something's about to happen, but we're not sure what, but you know, we're all together at a bar, a a, a group, of, a group of us. I don't, I can't remember if you were there or not. I don't believe I was. Uh, okay. So, um, so yeah, and then I went home to visit my family, and then I just stayed there for like six months. Cause I'm like, well, I got nothing to do, exactly. and at least it feels safe here. So I, I, so I definitely when this when this came out, I related so much to this the the special on Netflix, uh, cause I felt I, I knew what it felt like to be stuck inside, not knowing what to do except for just. Being creative. That's where I, you know, where I wrote all this. That's when I wrote all the songs that were on the days that are stood ill.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that, it very much encompasses the whole feeling of the pandemic. Like it felt like everyone was going through those same stages, like the shock of everything. And then many people tried to hone their creative crafts in different ways, seeing mm-hmm. what they could do. And some were for good, some were for bad. Like there were also, I remember a bunch of comedians trying to do. Zoom um, Stand up yeah. To mix effect um, Just cause there is that whole audience aspect there And Bo even acknowledges that In the first few minutes of the special mm-hmm. And When we think of Bo Burnham We think of him as this funny guy So hearing about a new special coming out It was like okay This is gonna be fun This is going to be exciting And then just for it to be cathartic Like, I remember finishing um, watching it, and I'm like, this is really good. I'm not sure when I can revisit this, like, (laughs) watching it itself. The music was great. Like, there were some great songs on this album, but I had just revisited it recently, uh, and it was amazing how much it stood on its own Mm -hmm. outside of the pandemic.
0: Yeah. No, because I was – like I said, I was obsessed with the special. I would listen to the soundtrack on repeat the weeks afterwards. When it when it first got on Spotify, it was even on my my Spotify top five end of the year. Like I think Bo Burnham's Inside was number five. That's mm-hmm. how much I had listened to this album, and uh, which said something because I of course I listened to a lot of music, but you know I listened to it a bunch when it came out for like the next like month or so, and I just wanted somebody t- to talk about it with, but no one else I knew uh, besides you had heard of, Bur- uh, uh, or really knew Bo Burnham and watched inside.
1: Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it just uh, waking a lot of feelings that had to deal with the pandemic, but also just the whole themes of depression and fighting through and trying to fight past that in order to be creative because, um, I've seen like a lot of, youtubers to go back to what Bo Burnham does to Mm -hmm. they comment on it's hard to make content when you're not feeling up for it but this is your job right it's like that whole feeling I've made you some content daddy made you your favorite open wide it's like he the tone he uses is just so in your face he's like yes I'm aware this is my job I don't really feel like doing this and just some of the personal stuff I've gone through it's like oh, this is going to hit on key things I didn't think someone else would hone in on.
0: Yes. So before we get into song by song, our feelings towards them, I just kind of want to talk about uh, the vinyl copy that I have uh, because I didn't expect it to get on vinyl. Uh, I knew that it was going to be on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Of course, it was on Netflix. I think I watched the special at least like six or seven times on Netflix. Uh and then I would just listen to it pretty much on pretty much like day to day on, on Spotify, which is why I got, I, which was why I got on my top five. And then I think like October or November of 2021, they announced that it was going to be on vinyl. So I got my copy in December at actually just targets. Mm-hmm. I should have pre-ordered it, but for some reason I thought I wouldn't want it or wouldn't want to listen to it. Um, uh, but I was Christmas shopping with my sister and brother-in-law, uh, like a week before Christmas, because they were in town. And then I was just I just happened to be in Target. I was walking by. I'm like, Oh, Burr Burnham's inside. I'm getting this for myself. Christmas present from me to me. And it actually it sounds really good. We were listening to it while we were setting up. And I especially got it because it said it was on. I'm a I'm a sucker for colored vinyl, mm-hmm. so it's on a. It's on a translucent yellow vinyl, uh, which I just love. And especially cause it's not, you can tell it wasn't cheaply made. I know that you were looking through it, um, uh, mm-hmm. while I was setting up the mics. It has, you know, it has a, uh, fold out cover and you can see, uh, just images from the special. Like you fold it out and, uh, you see Bo Burnham just lying, uh, in, uh, lying in the room with uh just snuggled up mm-hmm. just kind of sad and depressed all disheveled and uh all the mics just like uh all the mics and equipment just like spread out just sprawled throughout the the floor because a lot of a lot of the not to not to knock on target but a lot of the vinyl that they get is just kind of like the cheapest made that they can have Mm-hmm but, you know, just turning this on, putting dropping the needle, it sounds so good. just sounds crisp and clear, like a new vinyl should. And, you know, each each uh, sleeve that vinyl holds also is a picture. So that's really cool. I like that. I'll just read some of the credits. Producer, Bo Burnham. Writer, Bo Burnham. Publisher, Fred Chester Music. I'm assuming just Bo Burnham. Mm-hmm. Engineer, Mike Your mic. Uh, you read a lot more than I do.
1: makakoff
0: Makakoff. Makakoff,
1: Yeah. Mastering engineer John Greenham. Okay. Uh, designer Alex uh, uh, Kalich. Now, I don't know. I'm an English teacher. I should know how to pronounce stuff, but I don't.
0: At least you should know how to phonetically say it.
1: Yeah, I should. Yes, I should. But I've also taken a linguistics class where I learned English is garbage. Speaking is garbage. These are just random sounds coming out of my mouth, and we're trained to believe this has meaning.
0: Yeah, words are meaningless. Mm -hmm. Unless you're you're saying something you heard on TikTok, then Mm -hmm. those words are garbage. Yeah. 2021 by the Attic Bedroom Corporation. I wonder where he got that idea. Mm -hmm. Any more credits on there?
1: Uh, No, I think I read off all the credits on there. Okay, and I really like how like the pictures they use to distinctly put this because they could have obviously taken like some of the nicer shots like Mm -hmm. from um, a white woman's Instagram, yeah, um, or other ones where it looks all cleaner. But the thing that really caught my eye with the special when I was watching it was how messy it is. Like we really get a behind the scenes look of just the whole construction of what it means to like make music. It's not neat, it's not pretty. It goes mm-hmm. into the whole thing of depression and with the pandemic, but also really looking into what goes behind making uh, music, making something cre- uh, creative. That really caught my eye. Like there's even that whole section at the beginning of the Netflix special where he's setting everything up, he's playing with things to where like, me knowing his background, I'm like, he's a YouTuber. He knows mm-hmm. how to use some of this stuff probably. Or he's done a lot of specials. He's been on a lot of movie sets, so he probably has some idea, but just for him to put that stuff in there, just it's an it's just something extra that really makes it stand out.
0: Yeah, you can you can tell like I don't know if he had the full idea of what the special would be, you know, when he started recording, mm-hmm. but you can really tell that, you know, he after like everything was done and cuz he edited the special himself, can really tell like he had a vision of like what he wanted this to be and uh, it's a it's a two disc four side uh, vinyl uh, release and you know as you're as you're saying like on the on in uh, disc two you can see like uh, a picture of him from welcome to the internet where he just kind of looks crazy <laughs> And then of course, from all eyes on me, where it's being more introspective. So yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely something that has never really been released before as like a comedy special, quote yeah. unquote. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and, and I'm really happy that Netflix does allows their artists to be as interesting as this. Like the only other thing I could really relate to with that kind of honesty, and it and it's not totally related to what Bo Burnham is doing, but. I remember watch the first time I watched uh, Nanette. I don't know if you've heard of that one. No. I forget who the comedian is. I, I feel bad. Um, uh, I'll have to look that up later. But basically, the whole premise was she's this big Australian comedian, and she was starting to do her shtick. And then about ten minutes in, she's like, being so honest, like, "This is a character that I'm doing, and I've been, and it's Hannah Gatsby." Hannah Gatsby. That's okay. right. And she's like, it's been so hurtful, so now I'm just gonna do the honest truth, and it's just another hour and twenty minutes of honesty, and you can feel like the tension ramping up, like, oh, it's leading to a joke. Okay, this is what, but then it gets to that darkness, to where it's like dark humor, mm-hmm. and it, it, it's a brilliant piece um, of comedy right there. But Netflix just allowing their people to be open about what it, what they want to do there are some specials which we'll probably get into when we talk about comedy that make me go um, you're not understanding the po- you're you're not understanding the point of privilege that you really have right here and I'm really, right and considering the year that between this came out and now that song has just aged really really well
0: so inside was filmed in the guest house of of the Los Angeles home of Burr Burnham, shared with his longtime girlfriend, filmmaker, Laureen Scarf Scarfieria. Man, really got to practice these things beforehand. <laughs> Before they moved into a different property a few months after the release of the special. Probably smart. Yeah. Even though you can't really see where it is because it's, it's, like you said, it's inside. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the same guest house... Uh, He also used in filming the end of Make Happy. A Zillow listing later revealed that the property is the same one that was used to film A Nightmare on Elm Street, 1984, which is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. I've seen that movie.
1: Yes, great movie relating to the themes of it being a fever dream.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, It was certified Fresh and Rotten Tomatoes with 94% approval rating. Uh, Metacritic score is 98 out of 100. So the reason why I knew you'd be the perfect person uh, to uh, talk about this uh, special and uh, vinyl release with is because uh, over a year ago, I think this is last August, mm-hmm. we all went on a, a car trip, road trip uh, for yours and Salvador Wheatley's wife's birthday. Mm-hmm. And of course, you, know, you and I being huge nerds and pretty much being the only huge nerds uh, in the friend group. Uh, we talked about like all the things. I'm like, oh yeah, we're waiting. We're ready for waiting for Spider-Man to come out. This is going to be cool. Hey, did you say th- see this thing? And then of course we talked about Bo Burnham's Inside for a good long while, mm-hmm. and talked about like our thoughts and feelings about it. So getting into it, let's talk about Side A, which starts off with content, then into comedy, Facetiming with my mom, uh, and how the world works. So as you were saying earlier, content is Again, his just, his kind of like a opening statement. Mm -hmm. Hey, I don't feel like making this. Here you go. Just, just take your content, be happy. And I just, I love that as the opening song because, you know, in the special you watch on Netflix, it's him at the beginning. He's clean shaven. He looks good. Uh, He's a little sad, but he's finally like, like the song says, he's finally decided to just get up and start making something.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Which is uh, really funny, too, because I think around the same time that Inside came out, um, Promising Young Woman also came out, which he is also in. And he has that clean-shaven look and everything. And I'm pretty sure, I think that movie, the movie was made, like, year a year before. Mm-hmm. Because it was set to come out um, pre-pandemic. Like, I know it had made its premiere um i think in february 2020 and it wasn't released till later that year yeah and, it's on hbo max i believe yeah it's on yeah it's on hbo max and just seeing that, that cuz we have these images of him with his full beard and just even watching it then just seeing him come in and just his steady pacing it everything just feels so deliberate in there Where you were right, he probably didn't have a full vision of what it was going to be until editing, which is how most movie making goes. Mm -hmm. But he had like some kind of concept. He's understanding, okay, I'm looking like this now and he had an idea of how he needed to look.
0: Yeah. And in doing research I was trying to I was trying to find a video of him like talking about which I didn't find, like what his process was. Mm -hmm. Like I miss the days of like Blu-ray releases where there would be like, uh, extra features that explain more about like their thought process. Mm -hmm. Like I want a director's commentary on this, uh, Netflix special. And I hope even though it's Netflix and we're probably not going to get it, I want, cause I want to know his mindset, like throughout the entire special, like how he came up with these ideas and how he pieced them together. Mm -hmm. Like I really want to get inside his mind, uh, of how he did that. Because I'm not a big, uh, I'm not really like a big like synth music person, but just the opening riff, how it's just that steady like synth note, and then he just goes in. Like, it made me want to listen to more like synth pop music. Yeah. I haven't, but it made me want to. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think this is the first first record of the first batch episodes that we're doing for this podcast where it's not a guitar driven record. Mm-hmm. Our first episode, of course, being Alice cooper's uh love it to death, which your cousin Salvador Wheeley talked about, he really led that podcast he he's passionate about Alice Cooper oh yeah, yep, so following uh content, we have uh comedy, which is really like him realizing his privilege in the comedy world,
1: yeah. Him understand it, its that whole commentary of just himself and just everyone else. I, I, my favorite part is just always that, um, um, just like, should I give away my money? No. Yes. Like, that is like the worst thing he could do. And he's realizing—he's hey, self-actualizing with himself, like, I'm helping by being funny. I don't have to, like, actually physically do anything. He, he's doing things literally, metaphorically, mm-hmm. and just seeing how many— comedian to come out this was like even before inside happened, but it was such a big thing later where people are complaining like why doesn't anyone like my comedy anymore everyone's just so sensitive and they're like no you're just not really being helpful in this whole situation
0: yeah because around the time that i'm assuming you wrote that song you know that's when the whole like you know black lives matter movements mm-hmm. uh really started to like gain uh really trying to like explode and like, uh, gain pop, gain in popularity. And it really was like a, uh, a reflection onto society and how we see things. Cause you know, looking back at like comedy in the 2010s, uh, the 2000s and the nineties, it was okay to be racist. Yeah. Like, uh, I love the show Seinfeld. Some things, yeah, wouldn't hold up today, but that's why that show exists in the nineties. Mm hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that anyone has to apologize for jokes that they previously made as long as they're not making those jokes still. Yeah. And that's kind of what, uh, you know, as a rich white guy, as he, as he says throughout, you know, songs in, uh, in the, in the record, um, you know, he, he's realizing like I'm at a point of privilege, uh, uh, and he's kind of like. He is uh, somewhat apologizing for things that he did previously.
1: Yeah, and that does come up a bit later on, because even now, I was thinking through, his, um, through the stuff he's done, and I'm thinking like he hasn't like been anything that stood out too offensive, just it ages poorly, like, Yeah: comedy's
0: I mean, the first thing to like age.
1: Yeah. like I love it so much, but I, I recognize there's a lot wrong with I'm Boyo. Yeah, that, that's that's a great one, but I'll still sing along to it. Um, trying to think of anything else, but a lot of his stuff is just very silly. And he is aware that, yeah, this is going to age poorly. It's not like um something with like the only other musical comedian that comes to mind right now is Stephen Lynch to where he has. I don't a- think
0: I've heard, heard of him.
1: Yeah, I saw him on, like, a lot of his comedy specials. Um, He did a couple of Netflix comedy specials, and I think he has one where it's, like, a professional recording where he also has, like, silly songs. Like, he has a song about D&D, which Mm. is pretty fun. But then he has a song called – he had to change the name of the song for the Comedy Central special, which which he called Special Fred. Mm -hmm. And that one ages like milk. And then there was one where it's... You mean, uh,
0: well-processed expiration date as you discovered today?
1: Yes. <laughs> and uh, there was also um, My Girlfriend's a Nazi. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, some of, even though that has, like... Even then, they had to, like, censor some of the words with that. So, to where with Bo, like, he hasn't necessarily done anything too offensive, but he's aware of, like, oh, yeah, I am not the same person I was 15 years ago.
0: Mm-hmm. He was not the same... As the same kid who was stuck in his room. Yeah. Yep.
1: He's been able to see the world to where with, like, a lot of these comedians. A lot of them are still stuck in that same mind space they were in. They're like, oh, the world's just become too sensitive. Like, no, the world transforms. There's that whole thing you hear about people saying, like, well, you can't make Blazing Saddles anymore. And I'm like, yeah, but...
0: Do you want to? Do
1: you want to? (laughs) Yeah. Like, I mean, technically you can, but you're going to see it's age four you just yeah. want to be offensive for offensive sake.
0: It's yeah. It's all about the statement you're trying to make first. That, that is the thing that bothers me the most is when people say like, Oh, you couldn't make this movie anymore uh-huh. nowadays. I'm like, yeah, of course you couldn't. Cause it exists at the time that it came out. Mm-hmm. Even if, uh, even if that, you say Mel Brooks was, was young in, in the 2010s, uh, and making, a movie like Blazing Saddles, he wouldn't make it exactly like he did. Yeah. That movie exists in the 70s because it's always supposed to be in the 70s. And the words that they use is him putting commentary what people felt like about racism in that time. Mm-hmm. So it's not saying like racism is good. He's still saying racism is bad. Yeah. But just because they use the N-word so many times, uh, they think like, oh, you can make that because they say that. I'm like, yeah, but it's providing commentary of how this is bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, Quentin Tarantino in in Django Unchained, uh, he he uses foul language to make a point. Yeah, it's all about you know providing commentary and context is very important. Mm-hmm. And I think it's mostly because uh, people complain about it. It's because they're looking for something to complain about. It's not because they actually think that uh, people are complaining about it. Mm-hmm. So my favorite in, uh, still in comedy, my favorite line, of course, is, uh, his, his, uh, joke about channeling Sandra Bullock from the blind side, <laughs> which to me is like the perfect example yeah. of, uh, white privilege and, uh how history can be rewritten. Yeah. Just uh, so
1: many layers to that joke.
0: Yes. Cause it's just kind of like, you can look at it and be like, Oh, it's just like a throwaway. I'm like, yeah, she's a white savior. Mm-hmm. But then you actually like think about it. I'm like, Oh yeah. Cause even afterwards, like the football player whose life was based on it, he was like, yeah, none of that really happened mm-hmm. that way. And then when the, the next thing that I really like is when he says like, Oh, maybe I should just shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. He holds for six seconds and I counted it three times to make sure he actually holds for six seconds. And I did that on the car right over here. And I was like, and I was just like, okay, one, two, six. And then he was like, I'm bored. And then he continues on. <laughs> Cause it, it, the song definitely does have layers of how like, yeah, I could, but I'm also a comedian. I need to perform.
1: Yeah. And he even like goes to that whole level, like the whole repeating of, if there's a fire inside, um, call me and I'll tell you a joke. Just saying like, Yeah, I can joke around about anything like, yeah, but there's a fire. You're not actually helping putting it out and just like the whole different things and relating it to if there's an army of Klansmen coming after you, Mm -hmm. call me and tell me you joke relating to like everything with like how you mentioned everything with the Black Lives Matter.
0: Yes. Yeah. Like this song really starts of like, like songs and kind of like movements that repeat throughout the album Mm -hmm. and then finally culminating in the penultimate song, Goodbye. Yeah. How all... How, Cause like you were saying, when you wake up in a house that's filled with smoke, just call me and I'll tell you a joke. He says that again later on mm-hmm. in, in the, uh, in the album. So moving on to FaceTiming with my mom or FaceTime with my mom. This is the one that, uh, I definitely related to because, uh, you know, uh, before, you know, I would, I, even now I, I still like have, a uh, Every week, I call my mom same time every week. So I really get it. I'm like, oh yeah, I relate to this song because it. This one's kind of more like it's fun. Uh, you listen to you listen to the just listening to the song. It's like, oh yeah, it's just mm-hmm. yeah. I'm just facing my mom. Does Dubs mom things like holds the camera, uh, too close to her face. Yeah. It's like, oh here, talk to dad.
1: Chill vibes. Yeah. And um. Yeah, my favorite thing about that what is the dad thing? Like talk to dad. Then you talk then like that was the deepest conversation we've ever had because mm-hmm. that that kind of is the usual relationship how it breaks down like yeah you talk to your mom and then your dad you're kind of standoffish who are even at my job when I have to call parents yeah it's usually the mom there are some dads who are in there but that's yeah, usually the mom who goes in there dad's just like hi whatever but goes deep into the relationship and when I was watching the special I love during those things where he's like very chill talking about those things like her thumb on the camera, mm-hmm. but the visuals it's, he's like yelling at her, like move your fucking finger. I can't see you. He's like, I, I love that um, dynamic between the lyrics and the visuals.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause like the, the, the music, and the, like you're saying about the music and the visuals, the music, you know, very kind of like, kind of like, again, another just kind of like synthy pop song, mm-hmm. uh, cool melody with jokes but then the visual is just like him uh, lit in a certain way where it looks like he's just in a completely dark room and he only has the the light of his screen yeah. uh, to light the room. And he's it's when his beard is first starting to grow and his hair's starting to get long. Mm-hmm. So you know you know we're a couple of months in the pandemic. No one can get a haircut. Um, and uh, speaking about like going back to, you know, oh, here, talk to dad. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to my mom last night. And I was telling her about, you know, the podcast and, uh, that you were coming in to do inside. She was like, Oh, I don't think your dad knows you're doing a podcast here. Talk to him about it. <laughs> and I love my dad, uh, uh, very supportive guy, but the, but it's such like a dad thing. Like you're telling him like this creative thing that you're doing. And, uh, he's just kind of like, Oh, okay, cool. Well, how are you going to release it? You know, just asking stuff and you instantly just become a 12 year old kid again. mm mm-hmm. So I definitely like felt that, that, that line that you were talking about yeah. where it's like the deepest talk you've ever had, even though me and my dad have had a bunch of great talks, mm-hmm. uh, still it's like when it's something like having to do with either my band and music or some other creative thing that I'm trying to do, it's kind of like he just doesn't understand and that's okay. Cause yeah. sometimes that's just, that's just how it works. Mm-hmm.
1: And even then connecting that with, um, the pandemic, like, I know my experience was during the pandemic, I had to move back home with my family. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't necessarily FaceTiming, but being able to have that one-on-one time to where I kind of like, I liked that at first because I had to stay inside. I had medical issues. I couldn't do anything. Right. They, I
0: didn't see you that entire year.
1: Yeah. And other people, like my family, they were able to go out, do things. So just hearing about their experiences, um, that's. like that was resonating, but I know probably a lot of people were like, yeah, they weren't able to see their parents. So that was something that they could check up on. That was something they could add to their day. Mm -hmm. And just making that a big prominent part of the album just kind of makes it a time capsule for this period in time. But also it relates to that idea of depression, like how you're talking about the visuals. He's just in a dark room. And this is like the happiest moment he gets in his day to where it's visual, where the light is literally shining from his phone.
0: Exactly. So moving on to the end of side one or side a, how the world works. I love this song. It kind of reminds me of an what's that musical Avenue A Avenue Q Avenue Q. Yeah. Yes. Uh, where it's Bo Burnham and a sock puck puppet explaining how the world works. Yeah.
1: And, and it feels very like, this was like um, very classic Bo Burnham for me. This is yes. like something I would see in like his other specials to mm-hmm. where it's that whole joke of, I'm going to explain how the world works. This is like a fun song. And then he has this other entity come in and it's just like, Oh, you wanted to talk about how the world really works. I just love that setup. how he's like, well, I wouldn't say anything that you wouldn't have already said. I don't know about that Saka. Why don't you give it a try?
0: yeah yeah because so as the song begins the first verse and chorus is from bo burnham's perspective mm-hmm. so he's talking about you know i'm a white guy the mm-hmm. world is great everything the world only works when people work together mm-hmm. and he, ex- he he lists examples of that and then socko comes in yes and Sacco is like well actually the world is built on blood and
1: genocide and, and the ex- fbi killed martin luther king Yep.
0: And exploitation and the FBI killed Martin Luther King. And then it goes into, you know, explains how uh, the means of production is meant to separate the worker from the means of production, mm-hmm. which is something that we, since, you know, the pandemic started, something we continuously see. It's like, doesn't matter how, how, how much people suffer as long as the job gets done. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of my favorite lines is when Sako's, like before Sako comes in uh, or comes in with his verse, you know, they ask him, it was like, oh, what are you doing when you're not on my hand? Well, I live in this state that's basically just like sleep paralysis. And I'm just like, ah, oh, that sounds terrible. <laughs> I, the first, I think the first time I had sleep paralysis was like, was in 2020. And I, I just felt a bunch of anxiety. And I like woke up one morning. I'm like, oh, I can't move.
1: Yeah, and that was something I relate to as well. Like, kind of different though, I couldn't sleep at the beginning of the pandemic. I had to start taking, like, medicine to help me sleep because I'm just laying there. I'm like, oh, this is what this feels like. This is that state of just being but not existing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. It just felt like something was heavy on my chest, but I couldn't, like, move or do anything about it. mm mm-hmm. uh, I've always heard of sleep paralysis, but actually experiencing it was terrible. Mm-hmm.
1: What did your demon look like?
0: I don't think I saw a demon. Uh, I didn't. I, it wasn't a sleep demon. It was just mainly just I like, couldn't move. Gotcha. What did your demon look like? Some anime character.
1: <laughs> the first demon that actually came to mind was Ryu from Death Note. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, that would be the that would be the demon I would want to see. Some like a familiar face.
1: Yeah, specifically the one that has William Defoe's face on it. Yeah, I was
0: gonna say like I would want William Defoe too. Yeah. Even though, De, even though William DeVoe even though William Devo has such a sinister voice, it would just calm me though.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So moving on to side B of uh of uh side B of the first disc mm-hmm. now we get into White Woman's Instagram, Unpaid Intern, Bezos Part One, mm-hmm. Sexting, Look Who's Inside Again, Problematic, and 30. Now these songs are a little bit shorter than side A. Uh, but there are seven songs on this on this side. When the f- side A uh, just had four songs, so let's start with White Woman's Instagram, and I love this song.
1: I do too. I remember. I remember exactly my experience first listening to this. Um, because when we got to the chorus, I remember. I remember first thinking it was like a little weird. I'm like, huh. I thought like Bo wouldn't do necessarily a song like this because it it feels like punching down a little bit but once he gets to the part with the mom mm-hmm. i'm like oh this is what he's doing he's not necessarily making he's partially making a commentary of white women's instagrams how it's like filled with kind of some cliche stuff some privileged stuff but it's also pointing out this is just like kind of a window into her life and just the part when that comes into is this heaven or is this white women's i'm like oh, this is what the song's about. Yeah, And just all the, I think of like all the people who would probably like, they're laughing at like those first two and then they get to that part. They're like, oh, am I the bad guy here?
0: Yeah, because just going on like, because he really like paints a picture in that first verse. He talks about an open window, a novel, a couple holding hands, an avocado, a poem written in the sand. And I'm just like, yeah, that's some white people shit. Yeah. (laughs) Fresh fallen snow on the ground, a golden retriever in a floral crown. I don't think I ever like really knew what that word uh, what that word was.
1: I-, I knew that I was on Tumblr in the early aughts.
0: See, I've never been on Tumblr.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was on Tumblr, and every day I regret every bit of knowledge I learned from that.
0: Mm-hmm. And then in the second verse, it gets more just basic and white. Latte mm-hmm. foam art, tiny pumpkins, fuzzy, comfy socks. A coffee table made out of driftwood. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's really good at like painting a picture of this person, of this white woman's Instagram. Mm-hmm.
1: This reminded me a lot of um, it, it's a college humor. One of my favorite college humor sketches, which is the defender of the basic.
0: Oh, okay, I don't think yeah. I've seen that yeah. one. Yeah,
1: it starts out with them. Um, they're talking to this one girl who's like, um, she's excited because. Um, She got, like, Yankee candles or something. They're like, let me guess. You have, like, a room with um, those, like, clear Christmas lights, and you have a picture of the Eiffel Tower in your corner. She's like, yeah, how do you know? Like, yeah, your tastes are kind of basic. And then you have Brendan Lee Mulligan, my my favorite cast member of College Humor, come in in, in, like, a night suit. He has a pumpkin (laughs) spice latte on his, like, little breastplate. He's like, how dare you laugh at her? Sure, her taste might be basic, Mm. but – we all have basic tastes, and it's just like putting out, like, yeah, it, it's basic, but it's basic for a reason. We all love this shit. They're like, um, here, drink this pumpkin spice latte. Like, no, we don't want it. Drink it, you hipster swine. <laughs> they're like, wow, well, it's good. Like, yes, it's good because your taste buds like it. <laughs> like, my favorite one is, um, uh, when they go into, um, yeah, but she. Said she once said she would rather own every Marvel movie than see the Criterion Collection. And he's like fourteen films at the time of perfectly created movies that capture the human experience. But they're all the same, though. So are puppies and rainbows, but they're not any less beautiful. I'm like, huh?
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You really knew that sketch. Yeah.
1: No, I I, I watch that sketch all the time because it it kind of does. Flip your head a bit about these things because we constantly like make fun of these things right it goes into the whole way how media has turned around on stuff that um teenage specifically teenage girls like how in the early aughts it was just constantly making fun of that Um, Lindsay ellis has this brilliant essay that revolves around twilight how basically it's not that we hate twilight we hate that teenage what teenage girls like and at that time Mm. teenage girls loved twilight so we constantly made fun of it and just reframing it of like yeah that's that's kind of fucked up how we did that because teenage girls have all these societal pressures um that n- both of us can't relate to necessarily because we're cis men right um but like yeah kind of just point out all those things like sure it might not be great but why do we make fun of this to where Um, it's okay to have, it's okay to just enjoy movies like Michael Bay's Transformers or Ready Player One or stuff like that.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's kind of like one of those things, like, why did we spend so much time making fun of Britney Spears? Mm -hmm. You know, hashtag free Britney. Uh, uh, oh, she is free. Anyways. But yeah. Yeah. And now that you're thinking about like, oh yeah, I never thought about that, how, Oh yeah. We're just making fun of what teenage girls like. Cause what teenage girls like is dumb. Mm-hmm. Cause I was, you know, you know, I, you know, grew up in the nineties and I remember liking the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC mm-hmm. and Britney Spears, but I couldn't tell that to people and my friends.
1: Exactly. Like that was like, I actually, when I was a teenager the and I tell this to my, um, to the kids, uh, that I, that I teach now mm-hmm. is, um, do you know what book that got me into reading? Um, the book that got me into reading was Twilight. Like I actually did read through the Twilight books when I was younger and I was engrossed by them. It's soap opera ish. It's cheesy, but it was fun for me. But of Mm -hmm. course, um, later on, I'm like, I couldn't say that to people. I couldn't say that. I actually like this cheesy stuff that isn't high grade stuff. I'm someone who's supposed to have sophisticated opinions on media and art.
0: Right. Yeah, that's the kind of thing. Like, sometimes it's okay to like things that are just fun. Yeah. Like you were saying, Transformers. I mean, a lot of those movies are really bad. Mm -hmm. But the first one is really good, I Mm -hmm. think. Well, not really good. It's good. Yeah.
1: And there is that difference of, like, it's just bad, too, versus, like, it's not for me, but I can have fun with it. Like, um, my best friend uh, in the world, she had me watch, like, the first Mamma Mia movie. Mm -hmm. And I didn't care for it, but I wasn't going to shit on her when she, because she was really into it. Right. Now, Mamma Mia 2...
0: That is that, a good movie. That shit
1: is my shit.
0: That is one of the best movie sequels of all time. Yeah. Because there was no uh, play for Mamma Mia 2, mm-hmm. so they could do whatever they wanted. Exactly. And uh, uh, they realized, like, oh, Pierce Brosnan doesn't have to sing all the time.
1: Exactly. Or God, who, who plays the boyfriend? I forget his name.
0: Oh, um, he's that famous actor.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I forget his name, but he was like the weakest part for me in Mamma Mia 1. Mm-hmm. So he gave, they gave him half a song. And I'm like, that's perfect.
0: Yeah, they were because they didn't have the play to go off of, they really were allowed to just kind of like, okay, we know what each actor's strengths are. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. Dominic Cooper. Dominic Cooper. Yes.
1: Yeah. The only, like, if I feel bad because my connection to him is like, God, I know his name. He was uh, one vampire and Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter.
0: Oh, I never saw that movie. Yeah, I wanted to. I wanted to also read the novel, too.
1: The novel is actually really good. So the movie, it, it's kind of like one of those basic ones where it's like, yeah, it's just fun thing, but the the book, like, this guy studied Abraham Lincoln's life. Like mm-hmm. I saw an interview of the author, Seth Graham Smith, I believe, and he was discussing, yeah, when I was writing, I thought it was just a funny idea, but then I became like, I, like, I could probably get a minor in Abraham Lincoln's life based on how much research I did and it feels very authentic to where you're like, you buy into the whole story of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the reason why I watched mommy Mia too, because again, going back to like toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. it's like, I can't like that. That's a- ABBA. It's a musical about ABBA.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: I love Lily James and I will watch almost anything that she's in. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, I got to watch this cause it's Lily James. Yeah,
1: And it was, and it was just like so brilliant. And even though like, I don't have the strongest feelings for the original Mamma Mia. Mm-hmm. Just having that knowledge and with um, Meryl Streep coming in at the end for that one song, I was like, okay, yeah, this works.
0: So going back to Bo Burnham, what we're here to talk about today, mm-hmm. after after White Woman's Instagram, we got Unpaid Intern. And that one's just kind of like, to me, it's kind of like a filler song. Yeah. Like it does, it does have its point because – it starts off with like him doing this kind of like, I don't know what, how would you describe like the style of music? Um,
1: Kinda? I think just like kind of, it, it, it's just like this whole poppy tune, just like it's him just trying to write a jingle almost.
0: Yeah. I was going to call it ragtime, but I also don't know what ragtime is. Yeah. Me neither. <laughs> uh, I assume since you've been in musicals, you might know. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, it,
1: it feels like just kind of like some fun interlude that they can have. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it, If I were to relate to something, it would be um, probably one of my favorite movies of this last year was In the Heights, where they have um, uh, the Pedagua guy. He just pops in there. His song's a little fun. It does relate to the theme a little bit. And that's kind of the same thing with this one. Like, it's a fun little song, but talks about, like, how the working class is treated.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But, you know, the difference between what's on the record, the vinyl release and the Netflix special is you have him going through the song once Mm -hmm. in the special. And then it does a picture in picture Mm -hmm. of him providing commentary on the song that he's doing. And then it just keeps going on there. Yeah. So it is this amazing commentary about him trying to write a song about like today's working class, uh, working class person and how he's trying to be introspective. And then he just, it keeps adding this layer. I'm like how, how he's coming off, kind of, essentially how he's explaining like as each layer builds is like oh yeah i'm kind of just being a douche here yeah <laughs> trying to trying to be super artistic and trying to say something that that really deep about this but
1: yeah and even a, ultimately nothing yeah and it's a fun joke but yeah it, like the technical aspect of it like him like yeah he had that video already recorded but then just knowing how to time it just right to when he goes into editing mm-hmm. like, where it comes off perfectly like, that's, that's what I think really makes that joke
0: land. Yes. But again, lost in the vinyl releasing because you're only hearing the song once. Mm-hmm. It's not looped. Yeah. So then after that, we have Bezos Part 1, which uh, I love the synth guitar solo or the synth piano solo in this, mm-hmm. in this song. Uh, but the thing I couldn't remember is, like, back in, you know, when he was recording this in uh, probably, like, 2000 or 2001 – I was like, oh, how did we feel about Jeff Bezos back then
1: exactly i I think I remember like I think um because this was the shit where it was, um it was coming out with like the whole thing that was going on at Amazon with them having to pee in bottles,
0: oh and yeah, that's right, yeah,
1: so and even then people were like, This guy does not need to have that much goddamn money,
0: yeah, he does not need to have enough money. I think he said like it's somewhere some somewhere down the line he had said like I can't imagine anything more to spend a billion dollars on a year than space travel. I'm like, well, you could spend more. Mm -hmm. You're like the richest person in the world. Mm -hmm. Or was at the time, I forget.
1: Yeah, I'm not quite sure what it is, depending on how much the divorce settlement is.
0: Oh, yeah, that's true. It's about to be halved, probably. One of the lines that I absolutely love is, "Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg, Gates, and Buffett, amateurs can fucking suck it. Yeah. So, like in the lyrics, you you think he's speaking posit- positively yeah. about Jeff about Jeff Bezos. That's why I was always confused about uh about this song. Mm-hmm. And this is the this is one of the first songs that I think on there that I re- think really became like a meme on TikTok. Yeah. I'm not on TikTok, so I can't really can't really say to that. But I did see a lot of compilations or people or when people shared like their TikToks and Instagram doing the. Doing just the line of the chorus line of Jeffrey Bezos. Yeah,
1: and, and I fell deep into TikTok. Like that was one of those pandemic things for me and mm-hmm. yeah, Jeff uh, Jeffrey Bezos one or Bezos one is one of the big things you'll see out there just because people one, it's just a really fun song and two, people just really like going into that whole introspective aspect of it, just it, it's this fun song, but he is talking shit the entire time. Right. And that's what I love about Bo, how he's able to create this dynamic. Like, this was, like, one of those where I was like, wow, I wish I could teach this song for, like, poetry, but I can't because I would probably get in trouble. But there's just so much you can dissect from it.
0: Right. That is the thing about school. Why can't you – like, you can talk about Shakespeare and stuff all they want, Mm -hmm. but you can't use, like, newer, modern things that the kids can actually hopefully relate to.
1: Yeah, because if I wanted to talk about metaphor and idioms, mm-hmm. the first song I would go to is WAP.
0: <laughs> True.
1: Yeah, because I listen to it, and a lot of people, like, it's vulgar. I'm like, this is brilliant. Like, they took time to write these lyrics to make it all work. And God, I just wish, like, this is why I'm like, maybe I should do a semester of teaching at college just so I could teach this song.
0: WAP by, who's who sings that song?
1: I think it's Megan... No, it's featuring Megan Thee Stallion, and I'm trying to remember who the other woman is. Cardi B, that's it. Cardi B, okay.
0: Yeah. I was like, it's not Nicki Minaj. Yeah. I know it's, I'm not into, not that into, much into rap music. WAP came out, and I know that, I know Fox News hated that song and Uh talked about it for like at least a week, and I I listened to the song and watched the music video, I'm just like, okay, let's go. Yeah. It's it's a good song. It's not for me, but. Yeah, I don't. I don't really care that it's popular. It doesn't bother me. Yeah,
1: it doesn't bother me either. It's not offensive.
0: Mm-hmm. It's oh. just women owning their sexuality.
1: Yeah. Although the the best thing that came out of it was they made a remix of Ben Shapiro.
0: Oh so, yeah, that cause he, cause it I rem- saw that one. Yeah, because <laughs> he really hated that. Oh, he really yeah. hated that song. He he spent like what 15 minutes talking about it on his show. Oh yeah. On his podcast. Mm-hmm. We do not promote Baron Spear on this podcast. Bobby Westside's found on coffee. <laughs> Disclaimer. Mm-hmm. The next song, Sexting.
1: Sexting is like a very great creative song. Again, it feels like something that's classic Bo Burnham, and it just fits so well with the pandemic. Like, it feels like one of those where, like, I know artists will have, like, songs that they keep in their back pocket just waiting for the right time to release it. Mm-hmm. And it felt like the perfect, like, I could see this being something that he would have performed probably on stage.
0: Yeah. And yeah, this is definitely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's again another one of those just pop songs. It could be an actual song, mm-hmm. uh, but it just works. Uh, my favorite line in the song is "We'll talk dirty like we're ancient Egyptians," because mm-hmm. I just I, I that is such like a creative line.
1: Yeah, and just like visually, it's all great. You see the actual text messages, and then my favorite thing was because um, the fun thing about TikTok to you was they were dissecting like every frame of this special. And something that someone pointed out was when you look at the um, air conditioner, it's set to sixty nine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I never noticed that. Yeah, like, that's cause you, good.
1: Because when you see it on the screen, it's like all the way up in the corner. You uh-huh. don't really see it. You have to like, you have to be looking for that.
0: Man, the attention to detail that Beauder put into this
1: mm-hmm.
0: is just so, so good. Mm-hmm. Like I would never think about like setting a thermostat to sixty nine mm-hmm. while recording a song about sexting. And just like the lyrics, you know, you know, you send me a peach. I, I send you a carrot back. You send me a Ferris wheel. That's pretty abstract. Mm-hmm. I send back a, uh, a ticket stub implying that your Ferris wheel's a body and I want to get admission to it. Oh, what if you think I'm implying your vagina is as big as a Ferris wheel? Mm-hmm. You send me, you send me a snowman crisis averted. Mm-hmm. Like I've had not not to exclusively talk about sexting with, uh, with, with uh, past girlfriends, but I've definitely had like uh, conversations with girls that I'm interested in and, and thinking I said something dumb and just kind of waiting for that yeah. reply back. I'm like, oh my God, she's going to stop talking to me right now because I said something <laughs> kind of dumb.
1: Yeah, and that, that's a great thing with like Bo Burnham because um, just on the outside, especially with this album, he seems like... Just so, on the outside and in the inside? Yeah, uh, he seems like so fucking cool, he, but with stuff like that, like with the whole ad, um with the ferris wheel and getting admission to it, it's like oh he he's insecure just i love I love it when he does that in like any of his specials, where he's trying to come off as cool, but then his insecurity just comes right out
0: because mm-hmm. I think I think any person can feel that word like you're trying to be cool in this moment, mm-hmm. but you can't pull it off, yeah. You know, because, you know, he talks about, you know, he talks about, you know, asking for that nude. Mm -hmm. And then and then I really related so much to the line where where he's talking about, like, asking for that nude. She asked for one back. You're like, oh, why did I do that? (laughs) So far, I've never had a a woman ask me for a picture back. Mm -hmm. But I dread I dread the day that that would happen.
1: Yeah.
0: Because, you know, just being an insecure man, I'm like, no matter what, I feel in my opinion a woman's body is perfect. I hate the way my body looks like uh, when he says, uh, when he says the line, uh, because my Dick looks like the baby from a racer head. I Googled what that meant. I'm like, Oh (laughs) yeah, I can see that. Yeah. So following, uh, following sexting, we have a song that continues, uh, continues the theme. Look who's inside again. Mm -hmm. And this, this again, this, Some lyrics will pop up in the penultimate song, you know, but he starts out with trying to be funny while stuck in a room. There isn't much to say about it. Can one be funny when stuck in a room? Being in, trying to get something out of it. So poetic. Yes. You can really feel what he's feeling in that moment. Like, this is definitely one of the more somber songs on the album.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, this is like the really great one to when I was rewatching it, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is this is going to live so far outside of the pandemic. Because there's a lot of media that's come out during the pandemic, some that reference it explicitly, mm-hmm. that is going to age very oddly. But the way how he just frames this as just dealing with his own mental health and depression, like I like the idea of him like, oh, his whole, the whole theme of this is just him getting the courage to step outside for even a moment and then something happens like well well look who's inside again yep. like yeah your insecurities are going to take over
0: yeah when i was a kid who was stuck in his room there was a much much to say about it when i when you're a kid and you're stuck in your room you'll do any old shit just to get out of it like again just going back to like he's feeling like he did uh, when he was a kid, when he first started making YouTube videos, he's doing the same thing, except the context about it is different. Yeah, He was a kid, he was doing something creative, uh, and he was starting to gain some success from that. Mm-hmm. Cut to 15 years later, and he's doing it just because he feels like he has to. Mm-hmm. He feels like he needs to just do something so he he can stop being depressed. And I can definitely relate to that, because like when you're a kid you know making music in your room mm-hmm. y- you're you're just thinking about all the possibilities but then now when you're an adult it's just kind of like you're doing it just to escape from what's happening outside of the world yeah so i can definitely relate to those lyrics Mm-hmm.
1: and that's definitely me because i was also that kid who stayed inside great right. my reasons were like well, I'm sick. There's not much I can really do, and mm-hmm. just trying to find your own creativity there, and you get kind of wrapped up in your own bubble, and when you step outside, especially now as adult as an adult, it was, um, it becomes like, why did I do this? Like, even when you're trying to fight through your insecurities, like the other night, um, well, I made the mistake of um, on Saturday night to go to Rad. Because I'm thinking... Rad Arcade? Rad Arcade, yeah. The local hotspot? Local hotspot, local... Probably a
0: hotspot now because of COVID?
1: Especially so. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to hang out here because I had already been to the bar that was next to it the night before. Okay. And I was hoping just to find some friends to hang out with. Found no one to hang out with. And I was just sitting there with my drink, with my fries, and just watching the chaos. And I'm like, wow, I feel... This is like that whole idea of feeling on the outside. I'm like, you know what? I'm just staying inside myself
0: Mm -hmm. well if you ever want somebody to hang out at rat arcade with i've been wanting to go there for a while now okay (laughs) i i love video games uh especially old arcade games my parents recently got a galaga machine and a miss pac-man machine i play more of the galaga than miss pac-man i don't know if you know this pac-man is hard (laughs) (laughs) galaga is just pew pew Mm -hmm. i have the high score currently on on galaga only because my cousin got like eighty two thousand points on galaga and then uh, there was like a, a blackout one morning and that just erased all the high scores. <laughs> so when I came back during Christmas, I was able to get a high score with my high score, which is 25,000. So far away from his high score.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but I was just like, okay, it's good.
1: Yeah. You have that and then you're just like, yeah, I, I, it's not my fault.
0: Yeah, I even texted my cousin. I was like, I have the high score on Galaga now. And he was just like, oh, really? What was it? I was like, 25,000. <laughs> the blackout happened. So mm. so uh, so now the high scores were raised because arcade machines didn't have internal memory.
1: Yeah, you, you tried to be open, you tried to be cool, and then he called you out, and you're like, well, well, look who's inside again.
0: Exactly. I was always going to tell him that the reason why, but yeah. I just wanted that brief moment where like I am better than you, but not really, because mm-hmm. he is uh he's older than me, so he grew up you know, I don't know if he went to if they had arcades where he lived, but he grew up playing those machines yeah. at where wherever they're at because you know arcades used to be everywhere
1: mm-hmm.
0: so after look who's inside again, we have another song about white privilege, problematic <laughs> where he really delves in because even before the pandemic, you know, being canceled was kind of like the, the hot button issue Yeah, uh, with politicians. So this one is definitely something that definitely lives outside of what was happening in 2020.
1: Yeah. Like it, this very much reminded me of that. Um, there's that famous, like it, not famous image, but this popular meme I see of like, it's um, a comedian saying like, Oh, uh, you came out to see my show. Well, this is going to get me canceled. And then the next shot is like, all of his netflix specials with like um saying what i'm not allowed to say i can't believe they gave me another special hashtag mm-hmm. cancelled and then just actually see so many comedian specials on netflix being called cancelled or hashtag cancelled
0: yeah it's like they're trying to like play into it mm-hmm. uh but but not doing anything to change what they're doing mm-hmm. like they don't they they want to they just want to continue saying what they've always been saying because those are the easy jokes yeah when Bo Burnham, you know, who, I don't know how long it took him to make this, mm-hmm. but you can tell he meticulously thought of all these words and all these phrasings, how he, how he, how he's trying to say things, mm-hmm. you know, he grew up as your usual spur of the night, in a tiny, in a tiny town in Massachusetts, overwhelmingly white. So he's, again, he's talking about white privilege. He went to church on Sundays in a suit and tie, spent his free time watching Family Guy, mm-hmm. which, you know, Family Guy used to be, I don't, I haven't watched it in years, but it was pretty offensive. Mm-hmm uh probably even by today's standards you know he started doing comedy as a shelter kid he wrote offensive shit and he said it then he then he asked for forgiveness and then he, and then uh in the pre course he talks about is anybody going to hold me accountable mm-hmm. and that's kind of like the theme of this song i did all these things are you going to hold me accountable are you going to cancel me or are you not
1: mm-hmm. yeah and it's very interesting to me because he is like calling that whole thing about are you going to hold me accountable? Like Mm -hmm. I am your guy's sweetheart right now to where like, I have opinions on the whole lot of people calling out for being canceled. Um, like cancel culture. I think it's just become a buzzword for things. And just, I think he's also making fun of the people who are using that buzzword, right? Like he's owning up to his mistakes, which is if you believe, if you actually believe in canceling, you don't own up to your mistakes.
0: Exactly. That is exactly what the song is about. After problematic, we we close with the song thirty. So during our long car trip, mm-hmm. uh, not it was like an hour and ten minutes, I think. But during our car trip, you talked about how you really uh, related to this song because you were turning twenty nine. <laughs>
1: yeah, cause, yeah. Because when this came out, I was like, I was coming up on turning twenty nine. That was just before my twenty ninth birthday. And, I was, and it got me really thinking about like, why I am turning 30. And you know this about me. I, I have medical issues I brought up. Right. I have a heart transplant. I never thought I'd make it this far. So I kind of treat like every year I'm like, oh, great, awesome. That's just an extra day there. But the whole existentialness of turning 30 with this as well as what I'll say is my favorite movie of the year, which was also on Netflix, Tick, Tick, Boom, mm-hmm. for anyone who's seen that, it opens with a song called 3090 where the main character, Jonathan, wants to create something great before his 30th birthday, which is only a week away. And um, just the lyrics there along with Bo Burnham here just talking about his childhood, um, like basic child stuff, and now he's an adult. And I'm like, yeah. oh, shit, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a child anymore um, because the biggest thing that hit me when, um, when I was – Talking to kids, um, I forgot what I was teaching about, but I brought up uh, the Nintendo Wii. Yeah, and I remember clearly when that came out. I remember the whole craze when that came out.
0: Oh yeah, the Nintendo Wii was like that was the console to have that year, like 2007, I think.
1: Exactly. I I remember all the, the, the Christmas, all the people being excited, and I'm like, you guys know of the Nintendo Wii, and then I did the math in my head. I'm like, they were born just after the Nintendo Wii came out which that console is like what 15 years old mhm and i'm like oh oh i'm not i'm not as young as i thought i was
0: <laughs> yeah that's the kind of thing that i'm noticing with like my cousins who are now getting of college age mhm uh and they're uh <clears throat> i'm starting to realize oh yeah there's there's an age gap here cuz you know growing up I remember, I do remember being the young guy, you know, when I, when I first had my first like internship during college, mm-hmm. I remember being like the young guy in the pack. how everyone was, uh, uh, Bo Burnham's a year younger than me. Mm-hmm. So when he says like, oh, he, oh yeah, I was born in 1990. Now that used to be like a, like a shocking thing. I was born in 1989 and I'm like, oh yeah. Like, uh, oh, you remember going to see episode one in high school? I was 10. <laughs> that used to be my joke. And then now I'm the older guy and seeing young people coming in and being, "Oh, I'm not young anymore. I'm not as young as I think I am anymore. I'm no longer like the younger generation." Mm-hmm. So I definitely I definitely get that when it comes to like uh like do kids know what a wee is anymore?
1: Exactly. I'm like, "Do you guys know and like Kind of, yeah, but it's kind of like, I remember um, when I was a kid, uh, we were at a flea market, and my parents had picked up a, um, uh, what was it? It was a Super Nintendo, Mm -hmm. and it had all these games. And um, to me, I thought it was an old console, but when I looked it up later, like looking at all the dates, I'm like, no, that was so, we still got it when it was, like, sure, the Nintendo 64 had been out, but it wasn't as old as I thought it was, and I'm like, Wow, I wonder how that felt for, like, my parents. Like, I'm sure they thought that was, like, a really good buy because that was something they may have knew about. Uh, But just being able to relate it to that and just hearing um, so many of these kids discussing, like, what culture they're into. Like, when I first asked them about, like, pop culture, I'm like, okay, so you guys know Harry Potter, right? They're like, huh? What? I'm like, huh? And I'm like, well, you guys saw like the last Star Wars movies. And they're like, what? I'm like, wait, what? Okay. But you guys got to know the MCU, right? They're like, we don't watch that stuff. I'm like.
0: They just watch TikToks. Excuse me. (laughs) That's, that's the thing that, you know, I constantly see like in, uh, um, in articles talking about how the younger generations, they don't really watch long form media anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. It's all kind of like passing them by. They're just watching them. Those quick bites. Yeah. R.I.P. (laughs) Quibby. Rest in pieces. Rest in pieces, (laughs) Quibby, in ten minute pieces, Mm -hmm. something like that. I don't know. I didn't have Quibby.
1: Me neither. No one did. That's why it didn't last. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah,
0: it's uh, yeah, definitely like a song like Thirty makes you realize. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm not young anymore. Like for example, this year I'm turning thirty three. And I was just thinking one day at work, I was like, 33. I wonder how old the dad was from the show Rugrats, <laughs> the '90s <laughs> television show Rugrats. Did you watch that growing up?
1: Oh yeah, I was a Rugrats kid.
0: Yeah, so th- they have a reboot uh, currently now on Paramount Plus that I haven't watched because it looks CGI and dumb. Because uh, I rem, I still, I still watch like the Rugrats Christmas special every year. Mm-hmm. But I looked up how old the dad's, uh Tommy's dad was. Stew Pickles. He was thirty three. Oh, wow! <laughs> I am going to be the same age as the dad from uh, Rugrats, and that that was the only time I've been freaked out about my age. Because <laughs> when I turned thirty, I was just like, "This is another year. It Doesn't matter to me." Yeah. But then the the idea that I'm as I'm as old as uh, as a fictional character from a TV show I watched when I was a kid, and thinking like, "Oh, this guy is ancient." Because they mm-hmm. even portrayed him as agent. Yeah. Uh, when they did like the fa- the the sequel show, All Grown Up, uh, which is ten years after, he would have been in his early forties, mm-hmm. and he looks like he's in his sixties. Yeah, he
1: looks like he's grandpa.
0: Yeah, he, his hair is receding. Uh, he's this old man. I'm like, no, he's forty three. That's still young, kind of.
1: Yeah, it it totally puts into context everything, uh, everything about life. Like, oh, so like, because I remember thinking like. When you're a kid, you do think 30 is old. But once you yes. get closer into like your adult years, you're like, it's not that old. It's not that old, is it? And then you realize, oh.
0: Yeah. So far, a Zoomer has never called me old, but still. it uh, I sometimes feel old because I can't relate. The, the moments when you can't relate. When you make a reference to when you were a kid and they have no idea what, what you're talking about. Uh-huh. Just stuff like that really can kind of somewhat get to you. Mm-hmm. In a way. So moving on to disk 2, side C, we have the songs Don't Wanna Know, Shit, <laughs> All Time <laughs> Low, Welcome to the Internet, Bezos 2, a reprise, uh, and That Funny Feeling. So we listen to the uh I think we listen to like the f- all of side A and B. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what don't want to know is off the top of my head.
1: Thank God, because I, I, I'm kind of thinking of that too. I'm trying <laughs> to remember that particular one.
0: Let's see. Let me, let me, let me just play that real quick. Because I have a bunch of notes for every other song, but for some reason. I guess that just kind of shows that maybe I don't want to know is... I wouldn't say filler, but mm-hmm. it's one of those songs that doesn't really stand out to you. I don't feel as passionately about this song as I do other songs.
1: Mm-hmm. Ah uh, okay. For
0: this one. Okay, so don't want to know. Yeah, is kind of more of just like a transition song. Yeah, it
1: feels like a transition because is this? I think this is just after the intermission.
0: Oh yeah, I think yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, yeah like, it's 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 just Bo just kind of, like, not really providing commenta- commentary, but just kind of, like, just kind of making a joke of, like, hey, how are you liking the special?
1: Yeah, it's, like, that whole meta aspect.
0: Exactly. It's, Which like... He,
1: yeah, he does the meta very well. Like, this, for some reason, came to mind. Um, I don't know if you've watched, like, any recent South Park.
0: I'm not a fan of South Park. Ah, uh,
1: gotcha. Okay. Yeah, just, like, the quick thing, because I've been falling off, like, a little bit with, like, some of the past seasons, and they had this whole thing where... Um, the dad, Randy has like this, um, weed farm and, um, they use that a lot for commentary. And I personally like, don't care for that plot line at all. That was like my thing of like, okay, I think I'm just, I'm aging out of this show, which is kind of weird because the creators are much older than I am. Yeah. Um, but
0: yeah, but it's kind of like just one of those things. Like I was a huge fan of the Simpsons mm -hmm. and then recently I stopped watching it. Like I had watched every episode from season one to season 30 and then afterwards they're just like this show just isn't for me anymore and that's yeah. fine.
1: Yeah, it's perfectly okay. And even then they had like a, a kind of a good joke that had to do with like, like, so it was like a Halloween episode. So like, did anyone enjoy the Halloween special uh-huh. as in like the Halloween weed that he provided slash the actual special? And oh, that's like, actually kind of funny. Yeah. And they're like, no, Randy, only you did. Huh? Well, that was just my target demographic anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'll that is a good fair. joke. That is, That is a good joke. I'm yeah. like, Fair, that that perfectly comes with me. I'm like, yeah, that that's what they do. They create something that they really care for, and that connects with like Bo Bo song there, saying like, um, how are you feeling? Do you like it? I don't care. I'm kind of ripped this from me. This is my me going yeah. through my existential crisis. I know.
0: Yeah, it really shows like his insecurity in the moment where it's like, and that goes back to the internet. Mm-hmm. I guess there is more commentary than I thought there than I originally <laughs> thought there was. That goes back to the internet. And I'm like, oh, what? Are, how are people liking my content? Mm-hmm. No, wait, I don't want to read the comments. Yeah. Because I am, I, I am currently starting my journey into being a quote unquote content creator, podcaster. Mm-hmm. I don't want to read the comments. Yeah. Uh, I got, I put out a, a, a cover song of, uh, with my band of No Scrubs. I got one mean comment and I felt like shit the rest of the day. <laughs> Speaking of fe- feeling like shit, that's the next song yeah. on the album. Uh, which is shit which is uh that's the song i usually skip for some reason mm-hmm. i don't know why i do i just i don't like that song as much as i like other songs yeah
1: that, that kind of also feels a little bit like some of that uh filler stuff like really it's the uh, like i'm more here on tiktok than i do on when i'm actually listening to it And
0: it's oh like yeah that, it was it became like a meme on tiktok
1: yeah it's just that even that beginning bit like how are you feeling all right yeah, I'm not feeling good. Wake up at 11:30, feeling like a piece of shit.
0: Yeah, that like, was that was the other song besides Bezos that I noticed on TikTok and Instagram mm-hmm. uh Reels was was definitely something like after the special came out. That was that was what was being kind of like memed and like regurgitated back out to people mm-hmm. with everyone making their videos about feeling like a piece of shit cuz yeah. a big old pile of shit because that's what everyone was feeling at the time. Yeah. And you know, that's when, uh, that's when everyone was at an all time low, mm-hmm. which of course, uh, is the next song. Like a lot of the songs on side C are very like short songs and they're just, they definitely like invoke an emotion, but yeah, kind of feel like a little bit more like filler, like all time lows, a quick, like one minute ish song. We're just talking about like, yeah, my, my, he, he, he introduces before he gets into like the musical part. Yeah, he talks about like right now my my mental health is at an ATL. I'm not talking about Atlanta. Yeah, it's all time low. My least favorite uh, punk pop punk band. <laughs> uh, so yeah.
1: Yeah, but I guess this also points out like the disreferency between um, like the album, just the songs, and then just a the special mm-hmm. because thinking back to the special, it feels like it's a better transition into everything, but there's more going on.
0: Right. Yeah. Cause yeah, those like these first three songs on side C, I think they definitely work better in context as, uh, with the visuals and the comedy specials. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause w- on one of these, he's like talking to himself in a mirror. I forget which one it is. Cause I, I didn't watch the comedy special. I just listened to the album a bunch, mm-hmm. uh, before recording. Uh, but definitely it works better with the visuals, these songs, like they don't really like stand on their own as like songs. Yeah.
1: Because even then with the, with all time low, um, it works great visually because it is just him in that dark room talking to himself. It very much fits in with those little interludes he has where he's talking straight to the camera Mm -hmm. and then he goes to that peppy bit and it just, it completely changes visuals to where it works perfectly to where like in the in the, if you're just listening to the album, it's it's a little weird because this is like one of the very few times he's like narrating, he's just straight up talking, it's not a song. And then it goes into the song.
0: Right. So then following up we have Welcome to the Internet. And this one actually is kind of like a full song. Mm-hmm. And this is what we were talking about earlier where he talks about his current view of the internet. Yeah. Cause you know, back in, back when they used to have like, I, I don't know if they still do, I don't know if this is on the Streamies or the YouTube Awards. But he wrote a song called welcome to youtube and he talked about like how great you know this this platform is this community mm-hmm. cut to like 10 15 years later you have welcome to the internet where it talks about like all of the bad things in yeah. the internet
1: it points out like the internet it's just because a lot of people like to call um back in the back then they called the internet they called youtube what we think of the internet now it's like the wild west mm-hmm. but here it's just like yes, you have access to everything. And it's just reflecting of it. Like maybe that is not the best thing. Just even it's a list of different things you can find. And at first you think it's, you think it's funny. like Because even then there are some great things in here, like the Harry Potter drawings of all the characters fucking each other.
0: Yeah. 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 In one of the verses, it talks about like all the things you can find on the internet. Mm-hmm. And it says, if nothing is of interest to you, you would be the first, mm-hmm. which is a great line.
1: Like, the first one that comes to mind, and again, this is one I do see pop up on TikTok from time to time. People, One, people trying to make their own parodies, which I usually skip because I don't think they capture what makes a song work. They try Mm to capture it within their own fandoms. I'm like, yeah, you're not understanding how the song works, but a lot of people will do things like, here's a healthy breakfast option. You should kill your mom. Here's why women never fuck you. Here's how to build a bomb. Which Power Ranger are you Take this quirky quiz? Obama sent the immigrants to vaccinate your kids.
0: Wow. I'm impressed because I am looking at the lyrics right now and I probably couldn't have said it as, as, as well as you did <laughs> off the top of your dome.
1: Yeah. And again, that's just cause I am, I'm TikTok trash <laughs> and I say trash in a positive way. Cause I am trash, but that, that's one that just pops up a lot. Um, but my favorite Cut of that is like here's a healthy breakfast option. You should kill your mom. Here's why women never fuck you. You should kill your mom. Which Power Ranger are you? You should kill your mom. Mm-hmm. Obama sent the immigrants to kill your mom. And I'm like, that, vaccinate that, your kids. Yeah. Which yes, you should vaccinate your kids. Please fucking vaccinate your kids.
0: Yes. So after Welcome to the Internet, we have a reprise of Bezos too, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of like a quick bite. Yeah. This is I think this is the version of the song that. Uh, that you really hear on, uh, on TikTok, mm. Like, I don't think it's so much the part one. I think it's part two. Cause uh, part, I think part two is mainly just the chorus kind of repeated.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So following up that we have his one kind of like Bob Dylan esque song, that funny feeling. And this one is just kind of rife with commentary. Yeah. A popular version on the internet is uh, Phoebe Bridgers doing it acoustically at one of her concerts oh, okay. recently. I don't know if you know, if, if you followed Phoebe Bridgers, someone who Phoebe Bridgers, someone who uh, gained in popularity uh, during 2020 as well.
1: The name is familiar to me, just nothing's coming to mind.
0: I know. It's not a musical, so you don't know it. <laughs> but, you know, that funny feeling, you know, it's just kind of like him, kind of like, like I said, much like Bob Dylan did in the 60s, just kind of like an acoustic guitar, someone who has something to say, and just kind of like, vomiting words out essentially yeah you know stunning AK resolution meditation app in honor of the revolution half off off the gap <laughs> just a great opening line yeah Deadpool self-awareness loving parents harmless fun a backlash to the backlash to the thing that just begun again just so poetic and yet using kind of like internet speak at the yeah. same time something that he's just really good at yeah
1: because he, he totally dominates the internet. Like, he, there's a reason why he was like the internet's favorite child for so long. First it was YouTube, then just everything he's done with Netflix, Vine, and even with some of TikTok now. Like, because he has a bit of a presence there. He knows mm-hmm. how to use the internet very well.
0: Yeah. yeah. Reading Pornhub's terms of service, going for a drive, and obeying all the traffic laws in Grand Theft Auto V. And no, just, again, just chock full of, like, just great, great lines. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Full agoraphobic, uh, losing focus, cover blown, a book for getting better, hand delivered by a drone. Yeah. So, yeah, again, he's just talking more about, like, how secluded he feels during lockdown, being inside all the time.
1: Yeah, and just... At this point in the song, you're like, you're, you're getting it. You're playing along with the joke. But there's also that weird dreaded feeling you get. like
0: That funny like, feeling?
1: Yeah, that funny feeling like the other shoe's got to drop. There's something he's going to say that is going to be like, oh, shit.
0: Yeah, and kind of like how him saying like that funny feeling is mm-hmm. kind of like a double meaning. Because one, he's doing a comedy special. So he's trying to have that funny feeling. Mm-hmm. But also it's that funny feeling of dread mm-hmm. in the moment of him being... Sec- of him being secluded and isolated mm-hmm. throughout throughout this time. And you know how this song just kinda ends with him repeating, Hey, what can you say? We were overdue, mm-hmm. but it'll be over soon. You wait. Yeah. Da da da. And that
1: totally fits in with like what my favorite lyric in this song is, which was um a gift shop at the shooting range, a mass shooting oh, at the yeah. mall. I'm like, that, that was like the shoe-dropping moment for me. I'm like, oh, like, yeah. And it just fits with that just because, one, it, it fits in with that dark humor. But mm-hmm. connecting with that, um, with it's all going to be over soon. 20,000 years of doing this, only seven more to go. It feels like.
0: Again, you really impressed me with how well you know the lyrics.
1: Well, this was, with this one, this was like the last one I listened to today before coming over here.
0: Uh, okay. Still. Yeah, I, I'm again, I'm every time before I transition, I Google the lyrics first trying to <laughs> trying to find out because even though I'm the lead singer of my band, I suck at memorizing words.
1: <laughs> well, that's a far of like with all the, with the actor crap, I mm-hmm. always worry about am I going to remember words to things like I, I, I'm currently in a show right now. And I will be honest, I remember my lines when I get on the entire time backstage. I'm like, I'm going to flub something up.
0: Oh, I can I can imagine dealing with that anxiety, mm-hmm. that pre-show anxiety.
1: Yeah.
0: Because at least for me, no one knows the lyrics that I write except for me. So if I mess something up,
1: exactly.
0: No, no one will notice and or care. Mm-hmm. But when you're doing a famous play, and you mess up, uh, people might notice. Mm-hmm. Most likely they won't notice. So it doesn't. I'm not trying to give you anxiety before your performance oh. again tonight. <laughs> so that uh, that funny feeling. Concludes side C of disc, which is the first side of disc one And Mm -hmm. now we finally have the last three songs on the album All eyes on me, goodbye, and any day now Mm -hmm. So starting with All Eyes on Me This one Was that, is that like a retread of a song that he didn't make happy, do you know?
1: I think so, it reminds me of one because it's the Kanye rant one Yeah, Yeah, I
0: felt like I haven't, I didn't re-listen to or re-watch uh, make happy Yeah. since even the first time I watched the special. But when I heard, it, I'm like, this sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. So it does sound like the, the, his Kanye rant.
1: Yeah. Cause that's something he's done with like the last other two albums. He didn't do this in words, 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 mm-hmm. but, um, but he did it with, um, with, uh, what, with that, we think we know you, which I thought was brilliant. And then the Kanye rant with this one, it's like his, okay, we're coming to the end. And this is just where I get, uh, explode in this is meaning Mm -hmm. i don't care if you think this is funny this is important to me
0: it's definitely with his lyrical his lyrical delivery and uh how he like uh tunes down his voice a couple octaves and Mm -hmm. has that bassy sound kind of like kind of robotic this is definitely feels like the most most cathartic song because mm-hmm. this is the one where he kind of gets very personal where he talks about his anxiety how he, how we were saying earlier how he stopped performing live for five years because mm-hmm. like, like i was saying like there's five year gap between um make happy and inside and you know he talks about you know in the course of the song is like are you feeling nervous are you having fun is it almost over has it just begun don't overthink this look in my eyes don't be scared. Don't be shy. Come on in. The water's fine. That's probably not the course, but yeah. you get the idea. <laughs>
1: yeah. And they say the ocean's rising like I give a shit. And it's just very much him doing the stick And it does something that I really, really like. And even with my recent watch through of it, it felt a lot like it was what I like about musicals. Because like, it feels, feels like something that sh- – It has a lot of stage show energy in it. Granted, he's he comes from, like, performing stage shows. Mm -hmm. But just all these callbacks, everything else, recontextualizing things into, like, this somber moment. You're like, oh, we thought this was more humorous. But it allows you, when you rewatch or re-listen, it plays into a deeper aspect.
0: And it kind of thinks, like, because this song as we're speculating is a callback to a song in make happy. Mm-hmm. And as we were saying earlier, uh, this was filmed in the same, sp- same space. He, re- he recorded the ending to make happy in. Yeah. And I think maybe all eyes, the, uh, whatever version of all eyes on me was on that, uh, that song. I'm pretty sure that's how it closes. Mm-hmm. Cause he's, he's up on stage and he's, he's having this Kanye rant, as you put it. hmm. So like the more like we're talking about, the more I'm thinking about it, like, oh, this is really like brilliant. And it's just an artist truly like expressing himself and being artistic. Mm -hmm. Like it really just kind of like the more I think about it, the more it really amazes me. You know, I will when we're done recording today, I'll probably continue thinking about it and Mm -hmm. something will hit me. It's just it's it's such like a good kind of like moment of the song. So now we have the penultimate song on the album, the song Goodbye. And this is where all the previous themes come together. Mm-hmm. And there are so many callbacks to previous songs. Like to me, I kind of think of this song as, uh, I kind of think of it as like uh, the Beatles' Let It Be, because mm-hmm. it's just like this piano, then the drums kick in.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh you know, and he's just saying, he's just saying goodbye to all the viewers. Goodbye to all the people on the internet watching this. Yeah.
1: And it's like the perfect, like kind of somber moment with mm-hmm. everything.
0: Yeah. Cause he brings backs, you know, the lines, uh, I want to hear you tell the joke when no one's laughing in the background. So before when he was using that line he was talking about hey let me be the person to make this you know in comedy he he was like let me be the person uh to tell you a joke to make your day better Mm -hmm. i can be that for you while making money and being Mm -hmm. the center of attention now he's like now he's turning to the audience like okay tell me a joke i no longer want to be funny i no longer want to be inside Mm -hmm. you can you be funny uh when no one's laughing in the background like i love that line yeah and he, again, he he does a reprise where he's like, uh, I'm right back where I started 14 years ago. He's talking about being a kid, making music by himself in a room, which mm-hmm. is what the whole special is about. Yeah. And, you know, it it concludes with him saying, you know, if I wake up in a house that's filled with smoke, which, again, is a reprise from a previous song, I'll panic, call me up, and tell me a joke. When I'm fully revenant, only a and totally broke, damn it, call me up and tell me a joke. Oh shit, are you really joking at a time like this? because mm-hmm. th- just that one line are you really joking at a time like this?' Mm-hmm. Cause, uh you know, much like after nine eleven uh if you remember, it's like, is it okay to be funny again yeah can we can we be funny again? Can we move on with our lives? And that's kind of what you know that time in the pandemic felt like
1: yeah, like is it okay to like be able to like even just enjoy things yeah because we're living in this weird bubble like it remi- it also reminds me when it all came together is that comic of the dog that's in the house that's on fire mm-hmm. where it's like this is fine everyone posts like that this is fine part oh you know, yeah but they don't show the rest of the comic to where it his skin melts off because he's just sitting there not doing anything
0: oh see i didn't even know that
1: yeah yeah, that's a thing. Like cuz So they're I,
0: showing like the 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 setup to the joke, but they're yeah. not showing the punchline. They're not
1: line. showing the setup there. Yeah, they're not showing the punchline. Um just like, yeah, you see like it's a skeleton, his mm-hmm. skin falls off. It's That whole thing of like, oh yeah, this is fine, but it's not and it ends up hurting you yeah. to where um
0: So as the layers peel back yeah. on the dog, it adds layers to the commentary of the comic book, the comic.
1: Yeah, and they he actually did an update to it, the guy who wrote it. It was like, I think um after i think he didn't update to it after the 2016 election to so oh. where it's those first two panels that are the same like he's sitting there and he's saying this is and then he yells out not fine <laughs> and he's trying to put it out he's trying like i need to stop this and my favorite thing is he in the comic the dog says um they killed the fucking gorilla which was like a whole thing but With Harambe and everything. I was going to say Harambe. Yeah, and a lot of people reference that. as like, that was a starting point of, like, shit going off. Oh,
0: yeah, I guess you're right. I've never thought about that before. Yeah,
1: and he, like, puts everything out. He has, like, the fire extinguisher, and he's sitting there, his house all charred around him, and he's crying. And I love that. Um, Mm -hmm. I love how those two things work together, because even though the house is burnt down, he at least is alive at the end of this one. He did something here and he can at least rebuild where as opposed to just having that apath- apathetic feeling of sure this is just fine i'm feeling apathetic it ends up just destroying you to where sure it's going to take effort but at least you did something
0: mm-hmm. so then closing the album and the comedy special we just have any day now mm-hmm. we've gone through goodbye the show uh, The show is over And this is just kind of like the credit song Yeah And just kind of I think it's It's not a cappella, is it?
1: I think there's a little bit of like a synth beat under it Okay again, This is one I sometimes see also on TikTok Like it'll stop any day now Oh Just again Again relating so to So this that. whole
0: album is just completely just kind of like memeable
1: Yeah Which again, he's of the internet I'm sure a lot of that was purposeful Yeah, yeah.
0: Or it could just be a happy accident. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know how much of his thought process went into all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So anything anything else you want to say about this album in general?
1: Um, it's not one of my favorite Bo Burnham specials, but it definitely is a great special where it has his a- identity on it. Mm-hmm. This so, is the
0: special that definitely makes me feel the most. Yeah. And I, it's my favorite too.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it has a lot of feeling. This is something... Um, that I feel it was something that was, like, in the works pre-pandemic. Like, but the pandemic definitely gave him um an idea of how to arch this because it feels like something he would want to talk about, especially because he's known for one thing, and he's trying to branch off into these wholly different things, like being a director, being taken seriously as an actor. Mm-hmm. And something that I also really liked, it was just a small thing when I was, wa- when I was watching the special, when he's having the interludes of when he's, just talking to the camera or whatever he's doing it's um it's the beats or i guess it's a theme to content which is like i found really interesting because it will pop up anywhere like in the when there's that segment where he's being a twitch live streamer and it's him showing his real life like kind of like the video game is him controlling bow in everything um playing him as a video game can't open the door and um in the background it's like video game music but if you listen carefully it's just the uh, i believe it's the content and uh of course my favorite part of that was um he's like looking at it he's like i hate how they just give you these hints in these video games they don't let you explore and oh man, this really reminds me of Death Stranding. It's really fucking boring. <laughs> I'm like that. That is life. Granted, I haven't played Death Stranding. So, oh, okay. I was yeah. gonna. I was gonna ask so, about that because I haven't
0: played it either. I haven't played it either. I yeah. hear it's very like it's the what we're, what the pandemic was to the nth degree. Yeah, yeah, kind of. It's it, just kind of like I think the character is like a delivery guy, maybe.
1: Yeah, it's a delivery guy. It's like in this post-apocalyptic world. Like, again.
0: how could Hideo Again. Kojima have predicted that. That would be the most important job.
1: Very strange timing. In an apocalypse. Yeah. And I, I only say that I haven't played it because I, I, I'm I pretty sure my cousin's going to listen to this. Um, uh, not someone, I don't think he had him on the podcast yet. And he's a big no. Kojima fan. So me calling anything Kojima, my son is boring. He's like, it's just a joke. Okay, I know which cousin I, you're yeah, talking about. Yeah. yeah. I haven't played it yet. I, I'm pretty sure it's good. Like, it seems like that kind of thing I would be into.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I haven't played any of those uh, Kojima games. I've never played Metal Gear or any of them. Yeah. I But yeah, I, I, do, I do listen to a lot of video game podcasts. Yeah. And uh, the one that I listen to the most is a podcast called Get Played. And they do, every November, they do Kojember, uh, mm-hmm. where they just go through week by week a different Hodeo Kojima game. So when they talked about Just Stranding during the pandemic, I'm like, oh, that's weird. Yeah. It's kind of like... uh. If you're a fan of Stephen King and 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 uh, reading the book *The Stand*, I'm like, oh, yeah. how did they predict this? Some of this happening. Well, thank you for coming on the show, Hoser. Thank you for talking with me about Bo Burnham's *Inside* while drinking a damn good cup of coffee. Yeah. Uh, anything you want to promote?
1: Um, well, I have a Twitter at Jose Luis Solo. If you want to see what my wordle progress is, I was actually able to get today's word in three guesses. Which is <laughs> actually, pretty okay for me. Um, on there, you might actually see. Um, uh, I do have like a site where I do review movies, um, solobreakdown.wordpress.com. I haven't updated it really at all in the last couple months. I've been trying to just. I love talking about movies. It's just hard for me to like actually sit down and put those thoughts into written word. And also on my Twitter, I have uh, audio play I directed, um, the tragedy of Macbeth, which I am extremely extremely proud of.
0: Well, thank you. So. If you were to come back on the show, this is kind of the interview part of the podcast. Mm -hmm. If you were to come back back on the show, what album would you like to talk about next? Or what type of album?
1: Um, Definitely, um, so I have two different types I would totally vibe with. It would be either like some modern musical, um, because I'm a big, I feel like a lot of musicals, like there's a lot of great things I can really get into. There's. Um, the Beetlejuice, of course, Hamilton, my big one that I'm loving right now that I just have on repeat over and over is Tick, Tick, Boom, which is also my favorite movie of this year. And then I've also really gotten into the band Ice Nine Kills because their last few albums have been concept albums about horror movies, which is one of my favorite things.
0: Oh, that's cool. Yeah. What's the band again?
1: Ice Nine Kills.
0: Ice Nine Kills. I'll have to check them out. Yeah. Thank you. That's our show, folks. Uh, I've been your friendly neighborhood rock star, Bobby Westside. Email, email any questions you have uh, at, at uh, Bobby Westside, vinyl and coffee, uh, com. That's BW, vinylandcoffee at gmail.com. And I might read uh, any questions that you have on the podcast. Uh, follow the show on Instagram at BW, vinylandcoffee. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Please share, subscribe, leave a five-star review. If you leave anything less than a five-star review, you're just being an asshole. Goodbye.